Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and get to success a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because we are all busy and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we learned how you can be prepared for a possible recession or downturn and how to underwrite deals with that in mind. And today I'll be covering with you some of the top five mistakes to avoid when investing in commercial real estate. Here we go. One of the things that you will start to see as you're searching for properties is that there are two sources of income in the financial statement. Number one is the actual revenue and actual net operating income of the property. And then number two is the pro forma income slash pro forma net operating income. And these numbers are different because one is the current number and existing financials, and the other one is an imaginary number. It's an imaginary number based on what the real estate agent thinks the property could make after you buy it. So you have to be very careful because I learned that commercial real estate brokers don't have the same obligations around disclosures or telling the truth as residential real estate agents. You have to be careful and take everything that they give you with a grain of salt. On the pro forma numbers, you want to have a realistic financial analysis on how you are going to add value to that property. And some of the things could be, number one, cutting costs, number two, rent increases, number three, bringing in new tenants to fill up current vacancy. And of course, you want to make sure that you do market research to see what is the existing rent per square foot going for properties in that area, what are existing property prices going for per square foot on that area, and also you want to make sure that you cover existing vacancy in that area for other properties. So if you are looking at purchasing a property that is currently 75% full, however, all of your neighbors are 70% full or 60% full, it's unlikely that you will be able to get to 80%, 90%, or even 100% occupancy. And so you want to make sure that you take a look at these numbers from the neighboring properties. Number two, you should always take a look at who your tenants are. Is this the right mix of tenants? if it's a retail building, and when are their leases expiring? If the majority of the tenants have a lease expiration date coming up all around the same time in the next three years, that's not a good sign. Why? 
because what if something happens to the economy or what if something happens to the local area where these tenants all decide to leave at the same time? Also, not only are you looking at the tenant mix and when their leases expire, you are also looking at how much these leases are currently at. Are the leases above market price? Are the leases currently below market price? So why is this important? Because I remember when I was looking at a property in Reno where they were around 76% occupied. It was a retail center. They were 76% occupied and the seller was in the process of signing a new lease with a new tenant. However, that lease was below market. It was below what all the other tenants were paying. Why? Well, from the seller's perspective, when you add a new tenant to your building, you're able to show that you have more income on the property. However, they are signing a not so great lease just to show these numbers for the buyers. It is important that you take a look at the leases because if they just signed a 10-year lease with this new tenant, you are stuck at that low price for the next 10 years. In terms of the tenant mix, and this applies for retail, again, you want to have tenants that balance each other out, meaning you don't want to have five sandwich places in your center. You want to have a sandwich shop, you want to have, let's say, a nail salon, you want to have a massage therapist. There is a term that they are using nowadays called internet resistant tenants. And that is mostly for service providers because service providers are not really yet <laughs> going anywhere. They do need an office to provide their service. Again, like a nail salon or a massage therapist, a chiropractor, a dentist, etc. You want to make sure that you have internet resistant tenants in your center and that you attract those tenants in the future as well. For me, for example, I would not want to have a shoe store in my center because I do think that unfortunately a lot of those are going to be going out of business very soon. Number three, you want to make sure that you survey the property for environmental issues as well as the laws within that city. There are a lot of very difficult cities to do business with, and San Francisco is a prime example. For example, if you want to convert an office to a Starbucks, you're going to have to go through a lot of approvals with the city. If you especially want to convert something to a residential, it might take literally years to get that approved. A lot of people in the neighborhood will very likely make a big deal out of it and they will make it very difficult for you to get approvals in a short period of time. So you really want to check what you can do with that property without having a lot of issues. Also, if you end up spending a lot of money in a particular property, you might activate some requirements and new laws within the city. For example, I was looking at a restaurant 
the other day that has two floors and we were thinking of keeping the restaurant downstairs and then upstairs we were thinking of converting that into an office and rent it to a startup. However, if we end up spending a lot of money converting that to an office space, this might trigger us to have to install an elevator in that building since there is no elevator in the building today. So you want to make sure that you check with the city first before buying the property that it will not trigger having to install an elevator because that can cost a lot more than $100,000 to install. And then on the environmental side, we discussed this before, you have to do some phase one and phase two reports, which means that they will take some samples from the ground and the groundwater to make sure that it is not contaminated, because if it is contaminated, you are going to have to clean that up yourself, and it can cost a lot of money, and that can kill a lot of deals. So you really want to make sure that you do your phase one and phase two reports. Those can cost around three to five thousand dollars, but they just have to be done and it's part of the game. Another thing for you to know about phase one and phase two reports is that if you are next to a gas station, the ground of the property is very likely contaminated and if it is a big name gas station like Shell or Texaco, you will be fine because they do end up cleaning that up themselves. However, if it's a mom and pop gas station, you will have a very hard time getting that land decontaminated. Also, if you are next to a dry cleaner, that ground may also be contaminated. So you really have to make sure that you get this report done. And you can always try to get the seller to do that report for you. Number four is similar to the last one, but it's actually not surveying the property completely from top to bottom. Here, you will want to make sure that you get structural engineer to make sure that the building is solid and it has no problems. You will want to have a roof inspector to survey the property and make sure that your property has a solid roof. And depending on the type of property, you might want to have a few other surveys done. Some other things you might want to take a look at are the foundation, the windows, and HVAC units, if applicable. That's heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. You might want to check how old they are and if they will have to be replaced at any time in the near future. You may also want to take a look at hidden costs and contracts that will have to be honored by you after the sale. For example, some properties may have contracts that are two, three years long for online advertising, and those were part of the costs that you were planning on cutting after you took over the property. However, the contract doesn't end for at least another couple of years. You also may have to pay some local taxes that the seller was responsible for paying. And there may also be some insurances that you may not need that the previous seller purchased and now you're responsible for paying. Some tenants may also be owing money. They may not have paid rent for the last month or two, and you are the one going to be responsible for collecting that overdue payment. And sometimes the seller will put in the contract that that is their money. However, since you're the one doing all the work in collecting that, you should be getting that money 
yourself. So those are all things that you should be aware of. There are, of course, other things that are really important to do, as we discussed in our due diligence podcast, and you should always make sure that you work with a professional, especially in the beginning, to cover all of the due diligence items that you will need to go through as you are purchasing that property. I want to thank everyone that has been reviewing our podcast. I really appreciate it. The most recent one is by Fern Dog Cat Dog One. You must live in a really nice farm to have a dog, a cat, and a dog, and hopefully more animals. <laughs> but thank you so much. Your review said, as a novice investor, I'm genuinely happy to have come across this podcast. Stephanie does an incredible job providing insight without any fluff. Although she doesn't know it, she is officially my commercial mentor. I hope to hear more case studies. Thank you. You're most welcome. I'm so happy to hear this from yet another stranger. Woohoo! If you know anyone who is interested in learning about commercial real estate investing, make sure to share this podcast with them, and I will see you next time.